on America Can We Talk. I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. Coming up next, America Can We Talk with your host, Debbie Georgianos. And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgianos. Today in our show, we're going to talk about a surgeon, our U.S. Surgeon General's plan to control everyone in America, and I'm not being hyperbolic, Tiananmen Massacre Anniversary, which is today, and How Freedom Dies, January 6th, Pelosi exposed, yet John Strand sentenced. And if I have time to get to, which I hope I do, America wants to know what women are. So in the opening thing, I'll tell you that um, I do, uh, sometimes I do media commentary. I used to do a great deal of it uh, for Fox News, radio, uh, you know, political commentary and all sorts of things. And uh, I did, I was asked over the weekend to do one that I actually did that media hit this morning. And the gist of it was about... Um, a new opinion, a new advisory that had been issued by America's Surgeon General, um, whose name is Vivek Murthy, M-U-R-T-H-Y. So Vivek Murthy put out a, a new Surgeon General's advisory, and so I read the article about it, I read a bunch of other articles about it, and I'm truly, I, I find it hard to, uh, I feel like what I say about it could sound like, oh, you're really exaggerating, couldn't be that bad, but it really is. I am not being hyperbolic. Uh, so the Surgeon General put out a, a, a it's just an advisory. So it's not really a rule yet. It's not making. It's titled "Our Epidemic of Loneliness and Isolation." He's basically saying people being lonely or feeling isolated in America it has reached, in his terms, an epidemic proportion. So he issued a um, advisory spelling out things the government could do to help the government of the United States of America could do to help people. Uh, help society uh, because we have this alleged epidemic of loneliness. And he runs through a series of things that he proposes that could be put in place to fight this epidemic of loneliness. And uh, I'll just tell you, overall, that it's, he has six pillars. He spells them out. And by the way, if you want to read more about this, there's a great article at our website from The Federalist. But at our website, americacanwetalk.org, you can go to our website on our homepage, under shows, drop down, list of links. You will see a link to this article. It's really important that you read it yourself so you get the sense of how broad and sweeping this new advisory is of America's Surgeon General. So basically, he's saying, you know, we government, we can do a lot of things to help this epidemic of loneliness. So he says, we're going to help build social infrastructure. This is the federal government in Washington, D.C., talking about helping to build social infrastructure in communities all over America. I mean, they talk about parks and libraries and community centers. And, and if you, under, you read the language, you realize these are not going to be helpful tips from Heloise type things. These are going to be 
mandates eventually how you local people and local communities how you will address what we've decided is an epidemic of loneliness so here's what you have to do is not going to be voluntary so first one yeah building a social infrastructure second enact pro connection policies everywhere enact excuse me there goes our enact uh let's keep going i hope we have some i don't know what happened to our uh, signal there enact pro connection public policies everywhere and um and so you have the, uh, hoping my producer can tell me if we have things working. It does get a little fuzzy here. Anyway, uh, enact pro-connection public policies everywhere. And so they want to have, he wants to talk about this public health harm uh, coming to America, uh, public health harm coming to America because, um, okay, I'm just so unhappy with the systems already broken down here. Here we go. Um, so there you go. There I am. Okay. So you have the um, public health um, pro-connection pro public policies everywhere government has responsibility to make sure you're not lonely to use authority to monitor and mitigate the public health um, harm caused by policies products and services that drive social disconnection so they're going to track and mitigate things that might be happening in your community and society that might drive social disconnection diversity equity inclusion big part of this you know we're going to look for reasons that diversity equity inclusion are not being thoroughly and completely honored at all times uh, and number three they're going to mobilize the public health sector so public health officials will be in charge of monitoring whether people are seeming to be lonely or isolated uh, going to monitor uh, how you conduct your life you know question you when you go in to get your uh, annual checkup well how are you feeling about loneliness so, so that, that is another um, whole aspect of admission of that they have of this um, they also talk about reforming digital environments reforming digital environments so you're going to have for example everything you ever do every interaction interaction you have online anywhere with anything anywhere every interaction is going to be monitored and assisted by the federal government they're going to oversee the digital environments and see are, are people being exclusive are people not including people are we do we have too much you know whatever it is activity by some people others not having activity uh, and, and so and then fifth is deepen our knowledge so they're going to engage in studies a big research agenda that includes and lists all stakeholders every level of government every organization every corporation every school every family every individual they're going to research the sources and meaning of loneliness and um and feel, feeling isolated and they're going to try to fix it using all of these um, avenues of public society they're also going to cultivate a culture of social connection and so they're going to be monitoring your social connections to be sure that we're being all you know being friends with who we're supposed to be friends with i mean i am only skimming the surface of the depth of astonishing abrasive abuse of federal power uh, that is reflected in this this surgeon general uh, advisory i'll just give you some examples that are just very logical outcomes very logical ways in which this could be um could be taken up so you'd have for example government monitoring saying you know a uh, little smith family over there in uh, indiana someplace you are not actively participating in our community programs that are designed to create connection and cultivate relationships. You missed too many things last month. You didn't go to the community organized things that we set up. You know, Mr. So-and-so someplace in Nebraska, you actually did not. You did not. We've been monitoring your social media and your social behavior. You do not have an adequately diverse set of friends. 
your social communications are not consistent with our federal government effort to help this epidemic of loneliness because you don't seem to be inclusive enough. If you think I'm exaggerating, then you need to read what I'm talking about. Because this, and I want to hit a couple other points about this later in the show, but I'll, I'll kind of wrap up the opening segment introducing this idea to say, you know, when you are the, I hate to pick on women, but the Chardonnay sipping soccer mom in the suburbs, and you really want everything to be perfect for everyone, you want every child to be happy, and so you hear the government is stepping up to try to help against this epidemic of loneliness and isolation, I could imagine many, especially women, sorry to say, saying, gee, that sounds so nice. The government's trying to help. This is great. The government's trying to help. It's just so sweet, so good. Where do I sign up? because they're thinking how they might think privately if they were talking to their girlfriends uh, at the tennis club or their Sunday school adult class or you know, some neighborhood group where they'd be thinking, yeah, let's be a little bit more friendly. Let's try to be inclusive. Let's look out for people who are lonely and bring them in. That's how you would conduct yourself in your private life. So they think, well, this is, could be kind of what the government's doing. They're just trying to help. Every government program that expands totalitarian power out of a centralized federal government begins with, begins with introducing a victim into society, a victim status. In this case, now the victim is lonely people, and isolated people. And it is because that problem exists, the second step that totalitarian Marxists do is introduce themselves as the solver of the problem. Now that we've identified this problem, we're here to solve it. And you little people out there in the world, you just sign up and get on board and join in what we're doing. And you can imagine some people not picturing what is really intended by this, thinking, well, who could be against this? It's all about, you know, kindness and sharing and being friends and, and being, you know, making, helping people not be lonely. It is audacious, well, I'll start with this. The federal government has no business at all, zip, zero, nada, nothing, no business at all, getting involved in monitoring the personal loneliness and isolation of American citizens, whether they consider a broadly speaking health crisis, which is what they're trying to do, the Surgeon General, whether they think it's a health crisis or if they really are actually just trying to be nice, it is not the federal government's role. And when you allow them to expand their power, because this will, understand, this will be advisory in the grand scheme of time, it'll be advisory for about a nanosecond. There will be a follow-on of regulations or proposed regulations. How do we solve this? And you'll have other agencies. In fact, this came from Surgeon General. You've already had the Department of Homeland Security uh, weigh in and say, you know, this is a really, really important point. We ought to look at this. I mean, this is terrible. You know, we have an, uh, an epidemic of loneliness. Let's get more federal government agencies involved in solving this. So think of ways to solve it. It will go almost instantaneously from advisory uh, opinion, advisory statement, to a set of proposed regulations, to actual regulations, to the point where you're not allowed to disagree with anything they're trying to do. And if you think I'm exaggerating the possible risk, just think about this. It wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't 10 years ago, even five years ago, the notion of there being a transgender population in America that was just exploding in size and numbers, um, if you told someone certainly 10 years ago that that was going to be a huge problem, you'd be thinking, you know, well, everyone knows there's, you know, Caitlyn Jenner or, you know, Bruce Jenner, now Caitlyn or really still Bruce, whatever you think about transgenderism, you knew it was a thing, but it is an explosive 
in the terms of the left epidemic. It's an epidemic now. So it didn't just go from, you know, a concocted problem, the left cooked up and spoon fed into the public schools and into, into society. But it went from that to where you, because someone is choosing to identify himself or herself as the opposite gender of what they really are, then the public is being told, well, you have to use the pronouns that they want to use. So you're speaking to an individual, but you have, or about an individual, and you have to use singular pronouns, or you have to use plural pronouns, they and them, when you're referring to an individual person. And then it became, yeah, and you of course have to use a pronoun that the person chooses, which they can change every day if they feel like. And then it turns to where people actually lose their jobs. Public school teachers lose their jobs because they won't use the pronouns that their students woke up one day and decided they wanted to have. It always goes from an, a kind, a you know, a kind effort to introduce uh, a, a victim group in society, a group needing help. The government offers help, and here's how we're going to help. We're going to have a six-pillared um, effort to to combat loneliness and isolation, and pretty much everything in your in social media world, everything in your world, from your church to your community to your libraries to your public parks to your community events, everything is regulated by the federal government because they're just trying to help. And then it'll become problematic if you don't comply. In the case of transgenderism, people lose their jobs. We just had here in, this, in Dallas, I don't live in Dallas anymore, but we live very near Dallas. We had the city government announce that you simply must use the preferred pronouns of anyone who's changing their pronouns, whether once or on a daily basis. You just have to do, you are coerced into the language coming out of your mouth because what somebody else thinks. This is nothing at all to do with any role the federal government has, and it will morph into more totalitarian control over society. Parents who woke up just in the last few months or years and realized their children were be being taught critical race theory in public schools, were being taught that America is an evil, racist country, that the 1619 Project is an accurate description of America's history, were being taught that white people must be permanently considered an oppressive class and, and that black Americans and other people of color are considered to be permanent victims. And so the parents rose up and said, stop teaching this to our children. Stop teaching this racism to our children. And while you're at it, stop engaging in transgender grooming of our children. Stop doing that. Stop sexualizing public education. Go back to actually teaching. Parents who woke up to that and started to realize, hey, we don't want you doing this to our kids in school. Those parents need to recognize that this what this Surgeon General is proposing is about a million times worse than anything your public school came up with. It is a government-controlled, centralized power in Washington, federal agencies jumping on board to regulate all of your public life because of their purported goal to uh, end loneliness and isolation. Two other points I want to hit on this because this is just, I mean, if you're not already concerned about this, I, I, I want you to help I want to help you get to the point of being concerned. You know, another point of this entire absurdity and monstrosity that was emitted out of the Surgeon General, Vivek Murthy, is it absolutely eviscerates, eliminates the place of faith and God. In American society and throughout history, through millennia, people turned to their faith. To, and to faith communities, to their churches, to their to church groups and church social groups and synagogues and, and places of worship. And that's where they found community. 
And that's where they found, uh, and, and many people, especially people who were going through bouts of loneliness or isolation. I remember we were growing up, my mother used to tell us, you know, we, we kind of spent our life at the Lutheran church growing up. I mean, it was our, our whole social life was around the Lutheran church. And my mother would tell us three kids, you know, when you move away, you know, and if you're in some other big city, the best thing to do is join a church because you'll find people who are of similar background and it's a way to make friends. You have commonality. My parents' whole social life revolved around their church. And it's really true. Churches are a wonderful source, not just of ending isolation and loneliness, which is a, a you know, it's just a, because it's a, it's a group of people of common thought, of common belief. But the deeper aspects of loneliness and isolation are solved with getting a higher and deeper sense of your own identity, of who you are, that you have because you were born, because you are God's child, you have merit and worth and purpose and value. It is a huge source. Faith in the, and I, I say Judeo-Christian faith because that's what America's founding ideas were. They came from the scriptures, the Judeo-Christian scriptures. They were the source of giving man throughout history a sense of purpose and belonging and identity. And what this government directive, this Surgeon General thing does, is it just, it's uh, without saying so, without speaking it, it's pushing that aside. Don't be thinking for a minute that there's some, you know, other source of ending loneliness. Don't encourage people to join churches. Don't enjoy and encourage them to, to become part of a faith community because the leftists running our country, the last thing any leftist in the world ever wants is for their population to turn back to God. It is why Marxist, socialist, communists, whenever they come to power throughout this world, one of the first things they do is try to eliminate the place of faith, the place of churches. They kill and arrest priests and pastors, they burn down churches, they eliminate churches, they try to eliminate the Bible from society. When you are a leftist, you're trying to make the government, you, the, the leftist government, the new communist government, to what you want. If you're a leftist, a communist, you want the people to think of you, the government, as God, as the solver of all problems, as a source of giving you identity and purpose and meaning and a role and, and, and a place in society. When faithful people practice their faith and they attend church and they make communities of faith, this weakens the power of the tyrannical leftists in this world to control the people. This is what leftists have always wanted, what they want now. It's a whole other aspect of what the left is doing. This Vivek Murthy, you know, kind-hearted advisory, it is just eliminating, it is giving the back of the hand uh, to the idea that people in America have for centuries turned to faith to give them some sense of identity, purpose, belonging, who they are, their place in the world and connection to others. It is trying to replace the place of faith and replace God with the government dictating uh, all of what you do in your life. There's much more to this. I want to, I'll probably come back to it later in the show, but I thought this was a really good thing to open the show with. I'll mention one other thing about this. So I read the piece of the Federalist. I urge you to do that. And then I also was kind of browsing around the internet and um, I found a piece written uh, written up at NPR, you know, National Public Radio, which sadly is left-wing propaganda 
funded by your tax dollars. And that's what NPR is. But in any case, NPR had, you can take the same idea as I'm talking about, but they present it as a, and isn't this so nice? You know, Dr. Vivek Murthy cares so much about people. So he's got these great ideas. Let's all jump on board and do what he says. And I'm telling you people, it's one of those things too, the more you agree that the government's role is to do things like this, the more you agree the government should be in charge of everything, the more they will happily take control of everything. I'll come back to it later in the show and probably more in future shows, but I, I think it was it was really kind of an eye-opening thing uh, that the uh, left is pulling uh, in this, uh, under the guise of being nice, um, under this, um, this directive, this um, advisory opinion put out by Vivek Murthy. Again, go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage, under shows, drop down a list of links, read the article, you'll begin to see why anyone who loves individual freedom, who loves America, who believes in the freedom of association, the freedom of speech, the freedom of religion, the freedom of assembly, and the freedom to choose your own life. Can you imagine if you were told by the government, by the way, we don't think you've chosen the right friends, or you don't have enough of this kind of friend, that kind of friend, so we're going to step in your life and kind of straighten you out. That would flow very, very easily from what uh, this um, new Surgeon General Advisory says. Okay. Talk about other things today too. Um, we're going to talk about, I want to talk about Tiananmen Square, Tiananmen Massacre. And this is really interesting. So today um, is the, I'm going to tell you the uh, number of the anniversary. It is the Tiananmen Square Massacre was 34 years ago yesterday, June 4th, 1989. Tiananmen Square uh, was a, a massive massacre. And um, I'm going to quick put some pictures up just to remind you what that was. So Tiananmen Square, obviously in China, China was experiencing a lot of tension at that time. Uh, yeah, okay, hold on, come back to me for just a second. China was experiencing, can you come back to me? Yeah, was experiencing um, a, a bit of tension in their society at that time because in China, you know, they had, they, uh, communism came to power. Um, there was, even in that time, even at that time, kind of a split among the powers within the Communist Party because they were trying a little bit to open up to the West and there's a little bit more friendliness to personal owning personal property and owning uh, private businesses or quasi-private businesses. So it was kind of a push to opening up to the West and to Western freedom. At the same time, there are people in the Communist Party who were not up for that, not interested in this opening up to the ideas of freedom and the rights of the individual living freedom, who wanted to crack down on this burgeoning freedom movement. So, so Tiananmen Square was a protest uh, trying to demand uh, the right to free speech, the right to have more involvement, the right to not have the Communist Party control every single aspect of your life. So now let's go to those pictures. Thank you, uh, Emilio, the wonderful, thank you. So these are pictures from Tiananmen Square. So the first one, everyone's seen this one, the guy who's in the bottom um, left of the screen, this is the most famous picture of all, you know, he's, um, he's basically uh, looking down the barrel of those tanks. And so he's holding two shopping bags, it became kind of the, you know, the quintessential picture everyone knew. So this is back Tiananmen Square, um, back on June 4th, 1989. The next picture is just a pullback from that, because most people saw just that first picture, if we can get the next one up, um, there we go. That's the same picture, only drawn back with more tanks. That is the number of tanks that were lined up 
um, against him. So Tiananmen Square was kind of the, the uh, youthful protesters. They were mainly like college age and young people protesters in China had kind of organized at Tiananmen Square. And so this was a lineup of tanks the day they decided we're going to shut you down. This picture, this is how massive massive the um, the protests were. They're talking about estimates of millions of people in the streets of China. And for a totalitarian government to have this happening, it was happening right around the time too um, that they were expecting a visit from, uh, from uh, the Russian leader and they were trying to portray to the Russian leader, hey, everything is cool here. We love communism here. And they've got a million people in the streets. Last picture, which is just heartbreaking, um, these, if you can't see closely, these are the number of dead bodies. These are people run over by tanks or shot by the military in China as a, as a protest in Tiananmen Square. So I want to recognize that anniversary of Tiananmen Square. I think for a lot of people, you know, it occurred in June, um, June 4th. It's, so it's a, um, yesterday, um, and, but 1989, 34 years ago. I think it helped people get more clear about how, in case we had friendly thoughts toward China, help more Americans realize how truly repressive and brutal communism is, and in particular, China's Communist Party, CCP was. But you know what else was an anniversary, um, which is actually today, uh, which is the anniversary of the death of Ronald Reagan. And Ronald Reagan uh, had, you know, he's many, many famous speeches. Uh, so it was, he died uh, 19 years ago today, Ronald Reagan did, June 5th, uh, 2004. And among the things that, that he became very, very famous for, um, the uh, speeches that um, Ronald Reagan gave, um, he gave one of the most famous speeches of all time, uh, which was given actually in October of 1964. He addressed the nation. He's actually delivering an address on behalf of the Goldwater presidential campaign. So this is not when, when Reagan's running for president, but he's giving a speech on behalf of the Goldwater campaign. And it became really Reagan's most famous speech. And people shorthand call it a time for choosing. One of the most eloquent, profound and deeply, deeply American and meaningful speeches ever. And, and among the things that Ronald Reagan said, because even at that time, so back in 1964, of course, you know, you had communist Russia, you had the rise of communism and Russia's, you know, expanding all over creation, trying to crush more free countries and force them to accept communism. And Ronald Reagan was trying to say, you know, in America, bad things could happen here too. You know, we here in America, we've got to be the, the leader of liberty. We have to recognize what threats to our freedoms um, are right in front of us because we can all see how bad it is. Um, this, obviously, this occurred well before uh, Tiananmen Square, but this is still, you know, we had at this, by the time Reagan is giving this speech, you know, China has become communist, Russia's communist. And his time for choosing among the famous quotes that were in there, um, one, one was, um, let me get to the right page, you know, it was a famous one where he basically said, you know, and I can hardly read these words, <clears throat> excuse me, because uh, I think they're so profound, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the, we didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same, <clears throat> or one day, excuse me, we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States where men were free. Now, I try to get him giving these words, but the 
all the you know clips back from 1964 a little bit raspy and not the sound isn't that good but one of his most famous famous speeches this is he also said rendezvous with destiny and basically you know trying to engage the american people in believing in freedom and believing in the freedom that the republican party then stood for and and as he brought to his presidency when he came to power um, you know, he became president in 1980, and, and he tried, and he did through the Cold War, uh, eventually bring down the, the Russian, um, you know, communists who were just extremely repressive. But this notion uh, that freedom could be taken away in America, I think there's just a lot of people who think, well, yeah, but you know, not really like that. We're not going to have Tiananmen Square in America, and we're not going to have you know, like the communists really, really had it bad. You know, we're, we're not going to have that here. And so Reagan's. I mean, this is Reagan was among the most profound presidents in all of American history in order in, in his capacity to capture the mind, the the understanding of the American people that, you know, we don't have freedom, you know, in America forever and ever guaranteed. You have to fight for it in every generation. You have to identify the threats to freedom and then you have to fight to stop those threats. I mean, he really was eloquent and profound and um I mean, just really majestic in his, the words he chose and the way he chose to speak about freedom. Uh, one other quick thing about China, um, before I get to what the threats and freedom to freedom are in America today, mentioned, meant to mention two other things about China. So China does not allow conversation at all, social media coverage, conversation, anything at all in the entire country of China, not allowed to mention Tiananmen Square not allowed to talk about what happened. These two, I mean, literally, if you live in China and you were born after the time of Tiananmen Square happening, you would have no, what you're not gonna learn about in school. They don't teach it in books. They don't allow it on social media. It has like been disappeared as the word goes. The entire Tiananmen Square episode in the minds and hearts of the Chinese people has been disappeared by the government. You cannot mention it. You're not allowed to. And just prior to this anniversary at Tiananmen Square, of course, you know, the Chinese government is trying, they surrounded Tiananmen Square again. You know, they've got troops out making sure nobody tries to make a political statement. Nobody shows up at Tiananmen Square and make a point. So they're very, very mindful, not just not, of not allowing protests to happen, but not allowing the people to even think that you're allowed to think about what happened at Tiananmen Square or talk about it. And they try to force other countries to impose this. They, in fact, they had riots in Hong Kong uh, where they used to actually uh, commemorate Tiananmen Square in Hong Kong. So they had 32 people were, um, uh, were detained in Hong Kong uh, yesterday because they tried to commemorate what happened at Tiananmen Square. You know, Hong Kong, they still want their freedom. Um, and there's actually in, in America, there was a report out of, out of um, San Francisco uh, that the Chinese government is pressuring the city of San Francisco to remove a Tiananmen Square memorial that is up in the city of San Francisco, the Portsmouth Square Park. There is a, uh, they want them, Chinese government wants to force the city of San Francisco to take this down um, because they don't want any reminders anywhere in the world, anywhere. It's like, you can't talk about that. We killed our own people. And the estimates range, by the way, 
of how many people that the uh, Chinese government killed in Tiananmen Square. Uh, there were some estimates that were, there was actually the uh, British ambassador to China had cabled back to report as he was there at the time. He said 10,000 people were killed. That's never been verified. But the government of China, the CCP admits it was at least 200 citizens, like 240 citizens uh, and many more injured. So they killed their own citizens because they're trying to say, you can't protest. You can't protest. You can't speak. You can't make a spectacle. You can't make us look bad. You can't make the CCP look bad. You just have to shut up. This is the attitude out of totalitarians who think they can tell people what they're allowed to think about and talk about. Now I want to talk about a few things happening in America today. Back to my opening story. I did the star of the show today uh, talking about the um, Surgeon General's plan to control everyone in America. You can say, well, that's nothing like China, but let me just tell you, in America, they're trying, this, this government, this particular administration, um, they are trying very hard to force people to use, you know, the mentally ill people who believe they're transgender, and it is a mental illness, but you have to use their pronouns or you lose your job. You have to use their pronouns in the military. You know, the military is supposed to be there to defend us in case of attack. And we they spend most of our time in this administration on all sor sorts of absurdities like pronouns and enforcement of pronoun preferences. And I mean, it is totalitarian in its mindset. It is the government deciding because we believe in something we are, and I don't know if they believe in it much as they're using it as a tool. We're using transgender genderism as a tool to shut down communication so you can get fired if you're, if you're a public school teacher and you can get, you know, you can get punished in the military if you don't play along with this transgender agenda. But that's just a minor example. I am telling you what we are watching out of Washington, D.C. today in this he who occupies the White House was not elected in 2020 is absolute puppet residing in the White House, controlled by the same forces that brought so much damage to America during the Biden administration, excuse me, during the Obama administration. You have a puppet running the country in name only. He's just a puppet. You have control of America by radical leftists who are very much trying to take down America's place as being unique, extraordinary, and great, the single world superpower, the, the country dedicated to preserving religion, religious and, and every other kind of freedom. So let me just run through a litany of things that are threats to freedom in America today, coming right out of the Biden administration. And, and you'll understand, you start to see more why people are so concerned. Number one, you cannot talk about the truth about COVID. I'll remind you back right after um, Biden uh, was inaugurated in 2021, within two weeks, the um, Department of Homeland Security put out an advisory saying, anyone who questions the 2020 election, questions the legitimacy of the 2020 election, might be guilty of terrorism. You might be a domestic terrorist. That same agency, DHS, about a year later, put out another warning, another advisory, if you talk about COVID, if you denigrate the effectiveness and the safety of COVID vaccines, if you talk about other treatments being effective, you might be guilty of domestic terrorism. It is a flat out threat. Those actions are flat out threats to the American people. Don't you dare challenge this administration. But there are many, many, many more. The January 6th protests in Washington, D.C. You had January 6th happen, which in 2021, which happened entirely because the mass 
at, at this point, the majority of Americans do not believe the 2020 election for the president was valid. People understand it was a stolen election, which had people in Washington on January 6th protesting. The government chose to take what was a protest on January 6th into a claimed, a falsely claimed, a lie calling an insurrection. And they have gone after all the January 6th protesters, all of them, going after all of them and going after people who didn't, who never even tried to enter the Capitol, who stayed on the Capitol grounds and were protesting. You have every person the government's been able to identify using their multitude of security cameras, private video sent in by uh, snitches, by citizens who will send in their video, you know, so you can report your fellow citizen who was there on January 6th. You have the government having gone after over a thousand people already and planning on another thousand, anyone involved in the January 6th protest. People, this is so far past tolerable in a country dedicated to freedom of speech. They turn the presence of an American citizen exercising free speech rights, standing in Washington, D.C., on the Capitol grounds, in public area, in the public areas, prosecute them, and you can they can cook up nine charges, you know, seven felonies, seven misdemeanors, not two felonies, nine charges against a whole host of people, all based on the fact they went to Washington to protest the 2020 stolen election and turn that into crimes. And then they are going for maximum sentencing. They're pulling, they're forcing them all to come to Washington and be prosecuted. And some end up going to jail. I'm going to get to the special deal about John Strand uh, in just a moment uh, in the next segment. But I want to just say the whole treatment of the January 6th protest is not just to be sure they track down every single individual who arguably committed some misdemeanor is to send a message very much like the Tiananmen Square crackdown was the effort to send a message by the CCP. Nobody crosses us. Nobody protests what we have to say. Nobody has the right to challenge the legitimacy of our presence, of this president. Nobody has the right to exercise First Amendment speech rights if they're saying something we don't like. The January 6th persecution of people, of American citizens who chose to protest in Washington that day and treating them as though they are actual criminals itself, very, very, not the same result as Tiananmen Square. I'm, to be clear, obviously the CCP was wanting to kill citizens. Um, and you know we only had one citizen killed by the government on January 6th, but the, the mentality is growing, growing totalitarian mindset out of the left we're going to shut you down and you're going to shut up. Um, we had we had the DOJ announce that parents who show up at school boards to say, would you please stop teaching our children critical race theory, stop teaching them to hate America, stop teaching them to, to be to hate people and judge people based on race, stop engaging in transgender grooming of kindergartners. It was the parents protesting those odious teachings who were identified by the DOJ as possible terrorists. We have this, this government, this administration, create a disinformation board inside the Department of Homeland Security. And only because of massive protest and mocking and all over the country did they say, okay, okay, you know, we, didn't, we can't really have that. But they simply, they're doing the same function 
this government doing the same function. They took away disinformation board because, you know, people didn't like that. But they're doing the same thing through a variety of other ways, funding an entity within the State Department uh, called, I will get to that name, uh, called the, it's the um, State Department's Global Engagement Center, which gives large dollar grants for global disinformation index. Basically, money goes out to universities to track down people who dare to speak against what this administration is saying is true on any host of issues and then have them reported as a sources of disinformation and then have adv advertisers pushed not to advertise. People were way, way, way down the path of our country losing the fundamental freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of association, which comes with freedom of assembly. We're losing that right in front of our eyes. And the government excuses their tyranny by calling it, well, we can't let disinformation happen out there. And disinformation just means anything they prefer you didn't understand. Even if it was your source for your information you believe is educated people who know what they're talking about. Can't have that. So this government, this Biden administration is currently way down the path of crushing our most precious individual freedoms in this country. You have a similar program, Department of Homeland Security, now targets violence and terrorism prevention program. And again, if you can target uh, terrorism uh, programs, then you can, when you are the left, you can say, well, these terrorist people who you know, are, are, don't believe the vaccines are a good idea, or these terrorist people uh, who keep claiming we have election fraud in this country, you can see the ways in which this is a, being abused, grotesquely abused by this government in this country. And, and even a small little piece of it, um, you know, beside the January 6th prosecutions and the shutting down of speech, you know, you have the um, even the courts participating uh, via lawfare. We had a guest last week on the show, I think it was, uh, Joey Lynn Maceros. Uh, she and her husband joined a protest in Texas that was riding along the Biden bus. You know, Biden uh, and his team, he wasn't on the bus, but a Biden bus for his campaign was taking a, a big bus across Texas on the freeways. It had Biden for president, whatever it said on the outside, and it had Biden uh, supporters inside. And that bus on the freeways uh, had people draw next to it who were Trump train supporters. They had their pickup trucks and cars and they're waving Trump flags and honking the horn. With the exception of one minor incident, which these people I'm talking about had nothing to do with, Joey Limaceros and her husband and um, other people involved that day with them had no, there's no violence, no threat, no danger, nothing bad, nothing. But because you have courts willing to go along with this mindset, this very totalitarian leftist mindset that has now just captured the uh, left in this country, going along with civil litigation to in causing them hundreds of thousands of dollars of attorney's fees to simply say, you're not allowed to say that because we don't think you should be saying that. That's pretty much what they're doing. There's no danger they posed, no damages. This is simply this is simply the left. This is another version of the CCP and Tiananmen saying, nobody's allowed to protest us. No one's allowed to disagree. And we'll use the courts, we'll drag you through the courts with lawfare if we can't find a reason to prosecute you, which there was no reason because they did nothing wrong. I mean, I'm getting at the larger point. In fact, I'm gonna make this point before I hit Pelosi and that John Strand thing, which will take just a minute. But this other point I've been thinking about, it's bad enough that this Vivek Murthy, Dr. Vivek Murthy, who was a Surgeon General, 
apparently had no qualms, no hesitation about putting out a, a an 81 page advisory where he's basically saying, because we see evidence of an epidemic of loneliness and isolation, we don't trust the American people look out for each other. We don't want to encourage actual human interaction and people being kinder to each other and communities acting naturally. We're gonna like, it's like mandating volunteerism. We're gonna mandate niceness. We're gonna mandate that you include the people we say you have to include. You're going to participate in the activities we think you have to participate in. He apparently had no hesitation, no question. Is this really the role of the federal government in a free society? to dictate how people talk to each other and who your friends are and who you invite in your social media circles and who you want to invite to your community events. It, it apparently never occurred to him that this has no place in the federal government uh, job. It just nothing has no place in his job. Apparently never occurred to him because it shows you, that shows you how far left the mindset, how far tyrannically government controlled society mindset all of the American left is, and the other related point is, it never occurred to them in what they issued that there would be a blowback, a pushback. The American people saying, we're not doing this. This is ridiculous. We're not playing your game. We're not going to go along with your advisory. We're not going to let you make the rules about who gets to come to the public library uh, story hour. And we're not going to get, like, we're not going to listen to you on any of these things. This is part of what is needed. When you look how bad things got in China, it's because the people had no capacity to protest. Once communism came along, they never had any capacity to protest. They had to just put up with it because the government was tyrannical and had all the power. Here in America today, we still have freedom of speech, it appears. We still have freedom of speech. We still have a freedom in this country to disagree with the government. We have the freedom to speak up, to protest, to say what we think. Now is the time to just say, we're not even going to engage this idiotic advisory out of Surgeon General Murthy. We're not going to indulge it. We're not going to engage it. We're not going to debate it. We're just saying no. You have no business telling communities in America how to behave because you think you know better how to cure loneliness and how to cure isolation. We Americans, we, we are a compassionate people. We look out for each other and one another. And if we need to do more of that looking out for each other, we will do it ourselves as communities, as churches, as neighborhoods, as just human beings who are American citizens. We'll do it ourselves. We are, don't want you, you don't want your help Vivek Murthy, and we will not accept anything spewing out of your mouth about what we're supposed to do because you think you can run all of society better than we can. I want to make that point. Vivek Murthy, it never occurred to him that the American people wouldn't like this, and but we don't, and we don't need it. And the time to protest, to say no to all of this increased government control over society is right now. It's right now. Don't wait protest now, say no, do not indulge a moment's discussion with the federal government. Every community in America needs to be saying this to the federal government. We don't care what you think about any of these things, and we're not going to go along with your new tyrannical government program to control all of society, all of human interaction. You're out of line. It's none of your business. Go away. Okay, I'm going to do a quick thing. On Two things happened over the weekend or over... Let's see, when I come back on Monday, I feel like I lost track of the days. Two things happened last Friday. Uh, one was that um, the uh, gentleman we had on my show, 
last Thursday, named, last Tuesday, I think it was, named John Strand. Uh, if you're listening to this and you didn't hear this interview, John Strand uh, is a uh, was and is a bodyguard for Dr. Simone Gold. He was in Washington on January 6th. And she, uh, you like to know, Simone Gold, uh, entered the Capitol that day. She uh, completely peacefully, no weapons, no violence, no anger, no, just nothing wrong. Walked in the Capitol, stood in the rotunda, read a speech. She'd been invited to give earlier in the day, but the event where she was supposed to speak got canceled. And then she walked out. Her bodyguard, John Strand, walked in with her to protect her from the masses of people because he's her bodyguard. So she decided, Dr. Simone Gold decided to uh, plead guilty. She chose to take a plea, uh, which is a very hard decision for anyone to make. Uh, she hadn't done anything wrong, but she took a plea and, and then she still got sentenced to 60 days in federal prison. She served 46 of them. John Strand uh, declined to take a plea. He said, I'd rather go to trial. And if you listen to my show last week, you know, he said, I am fully aware he's likely to be convicted, fully aware. But he decided, you know, I didn't do anything wrong and I'm not going to just plead guilty when I didn't do anything wrong. So he gets found guilty and he went for his sentencing. It was actually last Thursday because I was texting with them uh, right after the show. In any case, he went for his sentencing in Washington uh, this past Thursday. And the judge gave him 32 months in prison, 32 months in prison. So, you know, he's, I know he probably won't serve all of it and he hasn't yet had to surrender himself, but he's serving, he will be serving, you know, over two years in prison. And the judge, the comments made by the judge made very clear that the reason he was sentencing him to this time was because he, he, um, John Strand, um, Strand would not admit because John Strand exercised his freedom of speech to say, I really didn't do anything wrong that day. Here's what I did. I walked in, I protected her, we walked out. I mean, he, he had more detail, obviously, you know, step by step, but that's what he was basically saying. The judge is saying, because you won't agree with the uh, leftist narrative about the insurrection, you won't admit that you did something wrong and you're, and you're exercising your free speech rights, that's why I'm giving you time. He actually said that in the sentencing uh, period of, of, this, of, the, of this hearing. And so John Strand is going to end up going, going to prison for some period of time um, for doing nothing wrong. And I've been making the comparisons uh, many times on the show how the DOJ, as well as the uh, Attorney General in um, Washington, D.C., is not in the slightest interested in going after implying anything like a similar standard to prosecuting Black Lives Matter protesters, Antifa protesters who tore up the city in 2020. No interest in that. But... What occurred in January 2021, you know, just a few months later, every single person they can track down and potentially identify, they're going after. But the contrast I want to make today relates to Nancy Pelosi. So Nancy Pelosi, you likely know, uh, then Speaker of the House, uh, she declined the invitation of President Trump, who said, you know, I think January 6th, he's, Trump was still president then, I think January 6th could be a little tense, but in words, he said, we ought to call in additional protection of the Capitol, call in National Guard additional protection. She said no, she wouldn't call in additional protection. She also uh, was... I mean, I want to hit some things. I'm getting around to this, what has newly been discovered and talked about with, with Nancy Pelosi. Um, you know, she immediately was on to the insurrection uh, lie, calling it all an insurrection, even though, as everyone points out, pretty lame insurrection. Nobody was armed. 
you know, they were just protesting what they saw as a stolen election. But what's come out and getting refreshed commentary this week is that Nancy Pelosi uh, got her escape out of the Capitol uh, when the invade, when the wasn't an invasion, when the protest entered the Capitol. Protesters got in the Capitol. It was not an insurrection. It wasn't even an invasion. It was a protest, much like protests Nancy Pelosi supported uh, when there were protests on her side of the aisle. For example, in the Senate, when various Supreme Court justices were before the Judiciary Committee and uh, they were being protested by leftists, that those things didn't bother Nancy Pelosi, but this protest did. In any case, what's come out is more and more footage of Nancy Pelosi being escorted safely out of private, you know, tunnel. Uh, exit that they have for people in power being filmed, filmed by her daughter. Her daughter, Nancy Pelosi's daughter, Alexandra Pelosi, is a, is a filmmaker. And she was there filming her mother, filming her mother. And apparently, so I'm, I'm getting at the point, this is like, it's sounding more and more really orchestrated like really orchestrated, like they knew this was going to happen. And later her, her um, daughter, Alexandra Pelosi, did put out some, uh, uh, I don't know what she called it, but some documentary about her mother, the Capitol under Pelosi or something like that. And she had this, this segment of film. Here she is being rushed away in an emergency. It wasn't that much of an emergency because Nancy Pelosi is walking along being removed from there. Still no explanation from the government about why they don't have to release the remaining tapes, all the security tapes in the Capitol, much of which could probably be considered um, exculpatory evidence for some of the people who are being prosecuted on January 6th. Uh, no explanation why she didn't call in the guards. No explanation how the really, really heavy doors that are only openable from the inside, openable from the inside, couldn't have even been opened by the protesters, uh, were open that day. And so people going in those doors, obviously someone inside opened them. I'm getting around and getting back to John Strand and, and the higher level of, of agitation Americans feel. John Strand happens to be a little bit more famous than some of the other protesters on January 6th. You know, he's, uh, you know, he's apparently going to go to federal prison, but he became more famous because he's associated with Dr. Simone Gold. It is astonishing and a disgrace that you don't hear out of any of these judges hearing any of these January 6th cases at this point. Well, until America has a better idea why the DOJ only targets January 6th uh, alleged defendants, but doesn't target all the people who burned Washington in 2020 and tore down capitals and burned a church, I mean, why, how does the DOJ justify its bigotry? That'd be one question. No question out of any of these judges about why is it any of these people should have to go to prison when you can't get the security tapes from the U.S. Capitol released. Why would anyone, and, and, and at this point, we are now aware because of pleadings in another January 6th defendant case, there were like 40, 40 FBI agents embedded within and appearing to be part of the protest. I mean, it is it's getting to the point that even people who want to basically believe in the FBI, believe in the federal government, the FBI's corruption at this point is overwhelmingly obvious. Their involvement in January 6th, and yet you see it's like these parallel universes not, not communicating at all about what truth is. You have a judge sending John Strand off because he won't admit that uh, you know he, he defended what he did that day, and he wouldn't say whatever the judge wanted him to say, 
and you have Nancy Pelosi now even more obviously part of the, you know, being filmed by her daughter as she makes her non-dangerous and non-daring escape um, out of the Capitol that day. You have all these factors that are never resolved, and yet you can't get one judge in Washington, D.C. to exercise what should be the high level of integrity and uh, commitment to the rule of law and, and blind justice and equality under the law. You can't get one judge to say something really smells up here about this entire January 6th episode. It, it's a very disappointing commentary on America. Okay, um, I only have a couple of minutes left to hit this last thing, but that's all I really need. And I'm just going to tell you about it very quickly, uh, and then I'll turn to my uh, what I always do at the end of the show, which is why it matters to you. Um, so the last topic, very quickly, is uh, you likely know that there was a uh, video made. Um, the Daily Wire made a video called "What Is a Woman? What Is a Woman?" And you know, it's a really, really entertaining. In fact, it's, it's by Matt Walsh. Entertaining, even at some points, it's hilarious. And yet it's cringeworthy. It is. It is. You can't believe the level of mental illness exuded enthusiastically out of the voices of so many people he interviewed. He's basically just saying, can any of you in this transgender movement or any of you in the, on the left in this country define what a woman is? And the explanations they give, the you know lo logic pretzels that spew out of their mouths are just absurd. So anyway, he made this movie, uh, What is a Woman? And um, you know it's been out there, I think, for about a year. Uh, they, was, they were going to put it up on Twitter and the Twitter, you know, Twitter, even though Elon Musk bought it and has now, you know, more sense of fairness about it and justice and honesty, uh, Twitter still has a lot of employees uh, who were there during the censorship days uh, and they love the censorship. So they tried to stop one particular employee at Twitter, tried to say, basically, you know, we're not putting this up. And so uh, Daily Wire released what is a woman uh, attached to a tweet. So Daily Wire and maybe Elon Musk did it also with this what is a woman documentary, uh, which is basically just eye opening, you know, uh, in terms of recognizing how lunatic uh, this transgender movement is. Put it out on uh, Twitter uh, on his own uh, as an attachment. Anyway, anyway I'm sorry, I'm getting sidetracked to my story. Bottom line was how many people have viewed it? How many people have now viewed this? 170 million views, 170 million views on Twitter, 170 million views. I'm telling you that to say, you know, America only has whatever we have, 360, 380 million people or something. Uh, there is a yearning, and I, I take this very positive message. There is a yearning in America among many, many, many people to basically say, we actually want truth. We're tired of hearing this transgender garbage. We're tired of hearing lies. We're tired of being told we have to use a pronoun somebody else says. And we want someone to expose truth. This, what is a woman, did it. Um, I actually have not watched the whole thing. Just watched segments. I'll watch it too. But I, I really take heart from that because despite the efforts of the left to just blanket America with the transgender agenda, the transgender, you know, um, what they claim is true of, and everyone's supposed to believe and think about transgenderism. When given a chance, people want to see a documentary that exposes really how just just completely mentally off this, this movement is because the people know it. And that's really what it comes down to. The people know it. 
even though this effort just to shut down all conversation about it, the people know this entire transgender movement is unhealthy, it's mentally unhealthy, it is not based in reality, it's not based in truth, and America is not doing any favor to any young person, any person of any age, by indulging in the transgender gender ideology uh, mission we're not helping them. We're actually affirming their delusions and therefore hurting them. We're the, the best thing of all to deal with reality, and you can also, of course, be kind and gentle and helpful and get counseling for people who have gender confusion, but the answer is not that every single child from five years old till 95 years old who presents as a, I think I'm transgender, they need help not affirmation of their delusions. And so I love that people really got all excited about and uh, just couldn't wait to, um, you know, couldn't wait to watch this video. So I got to wrap up the show as I do every week, every day, by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started our day today uh, talking about Surgeon General's plan to control everyone in America. Uh, whoops, got a typo there, it's America. Um, Surgeon General announces advisory plan to combat loneliness, social dysfunction, etc., through government. Never indulge this nonsense as compassionate or in any way the role of a secular government. This is the Trojan horse of atheism, attempting to displace God, to displace God and faith in America. How does a government that embraces CRT define compassion? How does a government that believes white supremacy is the number one threat teach brotherhood or teach truth? How does a government that pushes trans insanity promote mental health? The Surgeon General's advisory can become an eventual feeder of data for social credit scoring. Did you attend your government anti-loneliness program this week? Government cannot reach or repair the soul. Government cannot heal. The Founding Fathers understood why government's role should be limited. Government's role is to protect God-given individuality and rights, not to redefine or reset them. And then Tiananmen Square Massacre Anniversary and How Freedom Dies, the 34th anniversary of Tiananmen Massacre is a stark reminder and warning. The CCP has ordered that no one in China can comment anywhere, in any form, on what occurred on that day, effectively decreeing that people shall not be free to think or speak about what the government did that day. This is pure totalitarianism. But what about America under the Biden cabal, banning social media posts about rigged 2020 elections or about COVID vaccine alternatives? attempting the creation of a disinformation board to sanction and silence political opposition, banning assembly at churches. This happened during COVID, banning assembly at churches, but permitting strip clubs to remain open during COVID. Freedom is precious. It depends on freedom of speech, religion, and assembly. Americans must relearn the value of freedom and restore it. And on January 6th, Pelosi exposed, yet John Strand sentenced. Renewed attention on Pelosi's January 6th exit from the Capitol just reminds all Americans Pelosi's daughter had been brought in to assure documentary-style filming. Why? Pelosi refused Trump's request for additional troops to protect the Capitol. Why? Over 40 federal agents now acknowledged by the FBI to have been involved on January 6th, meaning undercover. Why? Capitol doors have been opened from the inside. Why? No J6 protester was armed, and the only death on January 6th was an unarmed female protester. Why does the mainstream media persist with a patently false J6 insurrection narrative? Why do DC prosecutors persist with brazenly obvious persecution 
by prosecution. John Strand, sentenced by a D.C. judge just last week to 32 months in prison. Strand did absolutely nothing wrong. He was inside the Capitol because permitted to enter by police authorities. He did nothing violent. He entered and he left without incident. This travesty of justice built on lie after lie after lie cannot be sustained. Men and women of conscience must rise to denounce it and reverse it. Okay, and my final one, I, sorry, I just lost that slide. Okay, sorry. Um, and the Tiananmen Massacre Anniversary and How Freedom Dies. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I got to get the last, excuse me. And J6 Pelosi and John Strand sentenced. Uh, no January 6th protester armed. Um, travesty of justice. I guess I read the last one. I'm sorry, I have my, um, no, America wants to know what women are. I want to quick do that one too. Matt Walsh's Daily Wire's documentary, What is a Woman? Exposes Leftist Moral Idiocy. Musk's new Twitter announced What is a Woman? Documentary, documentary would air on Twitter. Old Twitter executives then banned it. Musk overruled the old executives, at least one of whom immediately resigned. Musk used his own Twitter account to link and show the documentary. As of earlier today, What is a Woman has received over 170 million views. That is 170 million views. The American people are bristling against censorship, rebelling against leftist ideologies. Bud Light and Target appear mortally wounded. Trans insanity is not and I'm cut off here, is not winning. Stay in the fight. Truth will prevail. That, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. I want to tell you very quickly, this coming Thursday, we have Rafael Cruz joining us, our special Thursday shows. We have a bunch of great special Thursday shows coming up. But I do this show, America Can We Talk. Oh, and tomorrow, uh, Ann Vandersteel is joining me. She's a lot of fun. Great, great uh, talk show host and commentator. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. You can find everything you heard today at our website at americacanwetalk.org. I do the show, America Can We Talk, to speak truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can you hear America Can We Talk? truth about America. Can